Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. From the creators of Cold Case Files and PD Stories comes the next great true crime podcast, I Survived. Every week, I Survived presents chilling first-person accounts from people who overcame deadly situations, allowing the survivors to describe the events as they unfolded and how they made it out alive. If you love true crime, you are going to love I Survived. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, PodcastOne.com, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every week. I mean, what's my football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PMF. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, fam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like the ball, like the ball season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelizzolo here with Sam Monson. The new opening, we heard it here too. We heard the intro music YouTube. this time. It was great. Yes. Do you guys like it? We've gotten good feedback. I, we enjoy the intro. Especially Nothing but Belichick. good feedback. Nothing but good feedback. It's been, I haven't heard anybody say they hate it yet. And look, that doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means they've been quiet. So yeah, well, if you hate it, you could speak up too. So we're enjoying the new intro. Welcome in. This is going to be, what are you calling it, Sam? Our free agent? Preview extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yes. Okay. It's free agent time. We're almost. So we're just going to, it's going to be like six hours. Well, let's not go. Okay. Right. It's not going to be six hours. No, we're going to give you our best stuff. Free agency. We're going to preview it top to bottom. All the players to watch. Players that are, that are going to get tagged and, you know, make the free agent class look way worse. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. We'll get into it right now. You want to do it? Yeah. All right. So free agency officially starts in about 10 days, right? March 15th or so. 18th, exact right? Day. 18th. But there's going to be a tampering period. Yeah. By the 12th, um, a week from now, the franchise tags need to be in. I mm-hmm. think, should we start there? Yeah. With the franchise tags? All right. So first of all. If you go to pff.com slash NFL slash free agency, free dash agency, that's the place you're going to live over these next couple of weeks. The stuff that our team has done to put together our free agent rankings on that page is just spectacular. You've got slim view, mm-hmm. normal view, yep, and, and thick view, millennial thick. 
Yes. Double C. Double C. Thick. That's like the full preview. So you got slim view where there's no little blurb about the player. Normal view, a good paragraph about him. And then thick view, like a good six to 800 words on each player. It's yeah, spectacular. Edge and, Edge and elite subscribers get the thick view. Just saying. Yes. So get over there to our free agent tracker. So when you look at this tracker, obviously the quarterbacks, I, you know, I, I discussed it yesterday. This is an, an historic class. I mean, there's never been this many quarterbacks on the open market. We'll get to that in a minute. Free agent tags, a lot of rumors out there. So players coming off the market, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, maybe Bud Dupree of the Steelers. We're hearing Dak rumors. What are your thoughts on these franchise tags, guys that should be tagged? What are your thoughts here? It's always awkward heading into free agency because you you do these previews of here's the best free agents scheduled to hit the open market, knowing full well that, you know, 10 of the best of them are never going to hit the open market right. because that's what the franchise tag is there for. It's designed for teams to be able to protect franchise players from hitting the open market. If they can't re-sign them before it, it rolls around, you slap the tag on them, you keep them in the building for at least another year, and you try and get the long-term deal worked out. So inevitably, we're going to lose a bunch of these guys to the franchise tag. Um, and it's always it's always kind of a shame because obviously they're the biggest players by and large. Um, but every now and again, you know, you use the franchise tag elsewhere on a either a worse position. Like I've seen kickers franchise tagged before, right? Because it's just cheaper and you keep them around. Um, but yeah, so Dak Prescott, I think, is the biggest and most obvious one, right? He, in theory would be a spectacular free agent option, you know, quarterback that's still, what, under 27, still 26. Um, coming off one of his best years, back almost to that rookie year level of Dak Prescott, shown that he's got the ability to kind of do everything you want at the moment. He would be, the, I think, the primary sort of free agent option, but there's no way Dallas lets him go because what the hell else are they going to do? Yeah, it's a little risky, though. To just franchising yeah. him? Well, yeah, to do what, like to to get in with to what Washington did with Cousins. I don't think it's the same thing. I, I mean, the Washington did it with Cousins because it was like, well, we can't make up our mind if we think this guy's a good quarterback or not and worth paying money. So we're going to pay him a lots of money for multiple consecutive years while we make up our minds that it's not worth paying him a lot of money. Like that was a stupid and b not really the way most teams use the franchise tag. I think. Dallas would be using it as a, hey, we haven't been able to get this done yet. Let's just buy time. Yeah, I, I guess that's fine. Either way, I think he he eventually gets locked up. I think they should probably lock him up. Yeah. But you have to have, I th- you know, we talked about this before the season. The Raiders had some outs in the Derek Carr contract. Mm-hmm. I still don't see Dak Prescott in that top eight. And I use that as a rough cutoff, right? The top eight quarterback um, echelon where... You just, you know, if it's like it's Russell Wilson, like, all right, just pay him what he wants. We'll figure out the rest later. We'll figure out how to build the team around him later. Dak's not really there. So you want to have those outs. And if you're truly scouring the QB market well, before he has those outs, maybe you find, you know, other cheaper options along the way. I think the way that they should approach it is, so there's a few different ways of having those team-friendly quarterback contracts, right? What What you talked about is outs. Um, there's a few sort of different ways of structuring those so that you're not locked up to this traditional monster contract with the quarterback where it's just crippling for the entire duration of it. Um, and the one I think that makes a lot of sense for Dallas 
would be what the 49ers did for Jimmy Garoppolo. Front load. Massively front yeah. load the deal. Put all the guaranteed money up front so that like in a year or two's time, you actually don't have any reason to keep him around. Um, and it's and it's not – so a lot of the times there's this trade-off between what is – what you want to do as a team, make it team-friendly, and what the quarterback wants or what the agent – what their side wants in terms of protecting him. But if you front-load these things massively, there's no downside to the quarterback because, hell, I just got all the money. So why would I not sign that? I thought That's why I thought the Cousins won three years, like 26, 28 so guaranteed way per year. It, right? Just three years guaranteed. On one hand, it's like, all right, we're tied to this guy, but like we're okay being tied to this guy. And by year two, if you're doing your due diligence, you're looking for the next guy. So you have some sort of – you have your own out that's built in when the contract ends. Like the Vikings a year from now – if they don't have a long-term deal with Cousins, they're going to be sitting here saying, oh, he's going to hit free agency. We have to figure something out. Um, so I don't mind that either. Just saying, here's a smaller contract. It's guaranteed. You're not going to cripple us long-term or hurt us long-term. And um, But you just have to strategically build around the next guy and figure out what the next guy is. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that that kind of 49ers um, Garoppolo contract makes sense is that Dallas still has kind of a shit ton of cap space. Right, they paid Zeke, but the Zeke thing is not crippling them from keeping these guys around. They just haven't done them yet. So they've got the Byron Jones, um, Amari Cooper, and Dak Prescott all scheduled to hit free agency. It sounds like they're not interested in bringing Byron Jones back. You still need to somehow keep Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. It's going to cost you a lot of money to do that, but they have what the fifth most cap space yeah. of any team in the NFL right now. So they could do what the 49ers did in terms of massively front loading a Dak contract. So that, okay, yes, you're tying yourself down to this guy long-term, and yes, you're overpaying given that he's never likely to be better than a top-eight quarterback. On the other hand, you're not crippling yourself going forward, and you're giving yourself the flexibility to say if he does go back and he ends up you know, hovering around the sort of top 15, top 20, as opposed to top 10 range, you can decide in two years' time, there's no more money attached to this. We're just going to say bye-bye. It's not worth it anymore. All right, so so Dallas, it sounds like Dallas is also going to let Byron Jones walk. That's what I said, yeah. Right, so just confirm it. But I'm reiterating the fact that, like— You confirm my report? They're letting Byron Jones walk. Yes. They've signed Zeke already. Yes. So their best-case scenario is walking away with Dak and Amari Cooper and then whatever else they end up doing in free agency. But, man, leaving that—just when you, when you see Byron Jones walk or you hear the Lions thinking about trading Darius Slay, even coming off of his bad season— it just makes you feel like, man, that team's really starting from scratch when it comes to the secondary. Yeah, and they are. I, the Byron Jones thing is interesting because I think he is. I think he's a divisive player in terms of how people would see him. You know, from watching his tape, um, I think a lot of people would convince themselves that he's not actually that good a corner. Um, I think he is kind of scheme specific, which is part of the problem. And then I think the other thing is, depending on how you view cornerbacks, so. You know, one of PFF's things is it's like, look, if you're making plays on the ball and you're stopping people catching it actively, you're getting graded well, right? Because that's your primary role as a cornerback. But there are definitely people out there that think as much as judging uh, cornerback play by interceptions is a crappy way of doing it, there are definitely people that value the ball hawking element of, the, of play more than the down-to-down sort of shutdown ability of a guy. So for a guy like Jones, who just doesn't get interceptions ever, um, a lot of corner, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, I, I need more than that. I need a guy 
who can get me turnovers. I need a guy that is a threat to generate turnovers over the course of a season. The fact that he isn't letting people catch the ball or is making it more difficult, it's nice, but it's I'm not I'm not willing to pay eighteen million a year for it. Yeah, I just look at the alternative though. Right. You what you you take Byron Jones and I understand what, I I understand your point, right? Some of it's scheme specific though. It's, it's not even like I'm it's not even necessarily that I It's your I, point that right. other people have, Correct. right? But when you look at their depth chart at corner, Byron Jones, Anthony Brown, both free agents, right? So that leaves, and I like the fact that they attacked this position in the 2017 draft with both Cheetah Bay Awuzie and Jordan Lewis. We liked both guys at the time. Neither guy has become a star, but it's easier to trot those guys out there when you have a Byron Jones. Now you take Byron Jones out of the equation. You take Anthony Brown out of the equation unless something else happens there. And then they're sitting there in the middle of the first round, and it's like, all right, do we have to force a cornerback pick? Do we have to hope that a Christian Fulton drops from LSU? Do we have to hope that one of these four, five, six corners that could go in the top two rounds or maybe more, we just have to grab one? I just hate going in. Again, it reminds me of like the Falcons last year where it's like they just felt the need to just get two first off, two first round offensive linemen. They just had to do it just to like fill out the depth chart and feel like they were going into the season with enough players. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have Byron Jones, then you could take a corner and, you know, have better depth and you just feel better about And the same thing with the Lions. Like, they've been looking for a guy opposite Darius Slay for the longest time. Now that you have to find two guys if you trade Slay? Yeah, and I, I think that would be fair if it wasn't for the fact that Byron Jones is going to want, you know, top-tier cornerback money. Yeah, I get it. You know, I understand. If, if it was just, hey, let's bring back Byron Jones because what's the alternative and it's going to be a pretty modest contract, it's not going to break the bank, fine. But it's not. Look, Byron Jones is going to want to get paid like a top-five cornerback in the NFL because he's a good corner whose contract is expired. Um, and they don't, want to, they don't want to go that far. And that's it, kind of fair enough, particularly when you view it in the light of what we just talked about with Dak Prescott, right? If you're thinking about front-loading $60 million guaranteed money. Now it's like, okay, maybe we could make a, a Byron Jones contract work in addition to the Amari Cooper one we need to get done as well. But it's it starts to become a pain in the ass at that point. But you also shouldn't be pay- paying Zeke knowing that you have to pay a Byron Jones or an Amari Cooper coming up. But these are done, de- you know, this is this is the situation where we're done. I know, right it's sunk now. Right. I get it. It's done. It's, I mean, it's the, more, the, the lay of the land now. The more I think about it too, we talk about how running backs, I, I'm getting off. Getting off kilter again, but just I'll wrap it up in a sec. We talk about running backs all the time as how they they have different levels of skill, but the difference in production is minimal. I really think the more people think about the NFL, like it's really tough to go onto social media or anywhere and mention a player's name, AJ Green, Amari Cooper, a Byron Jones, Jadavian Clowney. Those guys are stars at a similar level that say like an NBA star is a star, right? Like Jadavian Clowney's name holds the same weight as like your 30th best player in the NBA, whoever that might be. But the 30th best player in the NBA has such a bigger impact on his team winning than Jadavian Clowney does. So it's really tough, I think, to wrap your head around the fact that the NFL, a football game has, what, 30, 35 guys who make like, you know, play significant playing time in a game. And the quarterback has most of the impact on the game. Mm -hmm. So your left tackle, your defensive end, your linebacker, they just have such a minimal impact compared to an NBA player, a Major League Baseball player, a hockey player, whatever it might be. It's tough to wrap your head around like star power and their impact winning the games. That all makes sense. It's kind of like running backs, right? There's a difference yeah. in who, you know, who's good, who's not. But as far as impacting winning, it's, it's just not there compared to other sports. So 
let's let's do a quick wrap up of the guys that are probably getting lost to the franchise tag, and then let's talk um, where the strengths and weaknesses of this this class lies. Okay, because I wrote about that. Let's do that. Perfect. Chris Jones to the Chiefs. Yes. Good move. Do it. Yeah. Yes. They're not going to let him go. He is again. We've talked about this before. He's one of those players that is arguably this the the best interior lineman in the NFL, not named Aaron Donald. You know, there's half a dozen guys that on any given year vie for that spot with Donald perennially the number one guy. Chris Jones has as good a case as anybody of being that second best guy. How about Bud Dupree rumored to be franchised by the Steelers? <laughs> oh, Bud. I don't hate it as much. Look, it's better we, than paying him long term. That's that the thing. Way. Like, can we separate the fact that we just have a player where we're like, LOL, Bud Dupree and look at it. So here's the thing. We say one year wonder guys. There is a pretty good track record of guys who peaked. Olivier Vernon never got back to his peak. Demarcus Lawrence got back to like these. There are guys who bloomed a little bit later. And if we're talking franchise tag and like, hey, steal another year of production out of Bud Dupree while we look for the the next guy, it's not the worst thing in the world. Except the Steelers right now, second lowest cap space in the NFL. Could that money be better spent somewhere else? And the thing is, as good as Bud Dupree was this year, he wasn't that good. He, the second half of the season was a lot worse than the first half. He didn't really maintain the crazy, right. you know, hey, Bud Dupree's actually good now. It, I mean, only sort of. Like He was pretty he were, good. There's something about system and comfort level and TJ Watt's emergence, and you don't need a great guy on the other side. You need somebody reasonable. The problem is there's a lot of money that you're throwing at him in one year, and I'm more comfortable doing this with, with teams like Tennessee, Denver, Washington, all these teams that have $50 million or more. In cap space, yeah, where currently the Steelers are at one point five. Right. I mean, honestly, if you have a ton of cap space, the franchise tag is not a bad way of spending money. Period. Right. Just Agreed. Keep, Even if it's overpaid like, in a vacuum, just to keep a guy around on the roster, it's materially helping you in at least one year. And if you have the cap space to do it, then why the hell not? You're right. The Steelers don't have the cap space to do it, so it's a lot more questionable. The other thing is, as I say, a Bud Dupree has been crappy every year other than last year. Like it's literally not, a, not just a one year wonder, but the baseline before that one year was bad. It wasn't even just average or anonymous or not great. It was bad. He was not good at all. Then he became quite good for, for half a year. He became good for half a year and quite good for the other half. Right. What do you do with that? Now I, I wrote on PFF.com about basically every edge rusher in this class scares me in some way, shape or form. Yeah. There's a red flag to all of them. Even if the red flag is only he's good, but he's not as good as you're going to need to pay him in order to get him. Clowny, right. right? If I was taking a run at one of those contract year wonder guys, it would not be Bud Dupree. It would be Eric Armstead because, A, his baseline was a hell of a lot higher before. Right. It wasn't completely out of nowhere. And, yep. B, when he got good, he got really good. Like, his season this year was a hell of a lot better than Bud Dupree's was, and it lasted all year long. So that's so that makes yeah, – I'm good with that. So, okay, Dupree maybe – um, Dak Prescott, we talked about AJ Green. So, I think do you buy the idea that Joe Burrow <laughs> told him to do that? I mean, it depends on like, yeah. If he was like, "Hey, I would love to have AJ Green. I would love to throw with him. I would love to play with this guy." That's not who's the way it was reported, though. It was more like Joe Burrow in meetings with the Bengals told them to keep him around. It's like, hey, if you guys are dragging yeah. my ass to Cincy, if I'm supposed to play there with the Skyline Chili. You need to do something for me, and that's keep that guy around. I mean, if I was Joe Burrow, I would demand that Skyline Chili no longer be the halftime meal in the press box. But well, that doesn't affect him that. as directly as uh, yeah, he, AJ Green. He doesn't need that. So I think from a Bengals point of view, this is there's a lot to unpack here. AJ Green, Bengals legend. They love locking up their own. 
They love having a guy that's a Bengal for life. They want to have Geno Atkins forever. They want to have A.J. Green forever. That's one. Secondly, it seems like with the new CBA, the the compensatory pick uh, formula is going to be reworked just a little bit. Okay. I don't know if that takes place immediately for next year. So in theory, like if they let Green walk, they could get something in return. If they wait a year after a franchise tag and let him walk, they might not get anything in return. So there's a little risk there. Like if you're worried about maybe stealing an extra third rounder, if you're, if you're thinking high level. And then you think about, okay, Joe Burrow and his development. If the goal is for Joe Burrow to be the best quarterback he could be by year three and to have the best team around him in year three, because that's when we feel like we'll have a team around him and that's when he'll be thriving and all that stuff, then how much does A.J. Green in one year actually matter? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that why wouldn't you do it if you're the Bengals? Like at this point, we talked last year about how whoever the quarterback was in Cincinnati had no shot, right, because their offensive line was garbage and they had nobody to throw to because everybody was hurt. Like at one point, all of the people on the field were called Tyler, and only one of them was Tyler Boyd, who's halfway useful. Like everything was just a mess. You're name scouting. I don't know. So A lot of name scouting. If you go into this season and all you've done is change Joe Burrow in for, you know, Ryan Finley, like, obviously, that's a huge upgrade, but God, give the guy some help. Like, you can't do it on his own. You still need to fix the offensive line. You still need to give him somebody other than a guy named Tyler to throw to. So bring A.J. Green back, even if it's only for one year. Like, the guy, A.J. Green clearly wants out of here at this point, right? So, fine. That's okay. On the other hand, if we let you walk, we're kind of screwed. So well, here's you're going to have to stay around for a year in the franchise tag. Here's the other way of doing it, right? You know you're not going to be great. You, you you help borrow out weeks five, but through five, six, seven weeks and trade deadline that works. Feed AJ sure. left and right. And then, and then say, okay, at worst, we're going to get a third, right? For, for yeah. a one year rental. I, there's just, there's no, there's no upside right now to just letting him leave. Right. You, Unless not, it's a compensatory pick. Yeah. But a, you don't even know what that's going to be, but I'm B, okay. That doesn't help right now. I get it. Okay. So I'm, I'm fine with bringing AJ green back. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. Um, Shaq Barrett rumored to be going back to the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> Again, on a, on a just just separate this from our free agent analysis. This is a process thing, right? This is this, so Bruce Arians has come out and he said Shaq Barrett's going nowhere. We're locking, we're keeping him here. If we don't have franchise tag because he's the sack leader, and you just don't find those guys every day. Just forget, just forget the words for a second, though. No. Because the balance is, I won't, I won't, I won't if it's words. if it's you're going to if you're going to lock up Shaq Barrett for four years at twenty million a year or whatever the number is, versus a one year franchise tag, those are two completely different things. One is really risky. One is like, all right, we got eighty million dollars of cap space. Like, why not? You know, again, I'm okay with when you get it. He's a good player, right? Yeah, we can separate the fact that Shaq Barrett's a good player who happened to have twenty sacks. Yes, right. I'm okay with overpaying a good player for one year. And I think that's a lot different from saying, buyer beware, don't lock him up for four or five years because there's no way he's a 20-sack guy. That's like 20-sack guy. He's been a good player for the entirety of his career. He was no better of a good player last year than he was in any other season of his career. He just played all of the snaps and got a bunch of sacks because of that. Um, The idea that he's a sack leader – and you got to keep those guys around because you don't stumble into sack leaders every year. He won't be the sack leader next year and will probably never be the sack leader again. So using that as a descriptor for him is just bad process because that's not what he is fundamentally. Well, it's not good in negotiations either. 
that too. It's not good to go out in the well, public no, and say, here's our sack leader. I know it's a fact and all that stuff, but also, here's a sack leader. Though that doesn't matter if you're just planning on franchising him because it's just set in stone. It is amazing. Even are you're not. Even sitting in meetings, how much um, teams were like focused on NFL sack totals. Because we do our own and they're like, man, we need the right ones for negotiations and all that stuff. Like really have to focus on those 5% of your it's amazing. Uh, pass so rushes. It's one of those numbers. It's like the worst number possible in terms of actually using it to do anything. And yet the NFL are obsessed with it, whether it's using it in negotiations, using it for bonuses, using it to predict anything. It's awful. And yet they can't get it out of their heads. It's amazing. Yannick Ngakwe. That was Jacksonville great. Jacks. Yannick Ngakwe is like, I'm done with Jacksonville. I'm out of here. And they're like, the Jacksonville Jaguars are expected to use the franchise tag on do Yannick Ngakwe. You, do you think the franchise tag is as much of a slap in the face as players make it? When um, that happens, yes. Generally, no. Like if the Bengals come out and say, sorry, AJ, we can't let you go. We need you. We're using the franchise tag. Unlucky. It's not a slap in the face. It's like, ah, crap. I was, I was hoping to get out of here. And now I'm stuck here. On the upside, I have whatever it is, like $18 million to play with next year. I mean, that's yeah. fine, right? If <laughs> if it's the Ngakwe way, maybe. It's like, oh, I'm sick of this organization. I am out of here. Bye-bye. And they're like, uh, franchise tag. Well, but I think, no, I think he was saying that's that because he knew they were going to franchise it's, tag it, The way it was reported, it, it happened the other way around. It was like, Ngakwe comes out and says, see ya, I'm leaving. And then it's like Jacksonville will exercise the franchise tag rights on Ngakwe. So we usually only focus on this through the team's lens. So from a team lens, I'm like, again, I don't, it's a one year. I I don't want to lock up Yannick long-term either. I don't think it should, the idea that people should be insulted by the franchise tag, which is ultimately, the franchise tag pays you what? The average of the top five guys at your position. Which is a ton of money. It's a ton of guaranteed money for one year. So it's a lot of guys making 15 to 25 million a year. So, yes, you would like the ability to hit the open market and get yourself a long-term deal with the giant guaranteed money that that comes with. On the other hand, being paid the guaranteed sum of the top five average at your position for one year is a pretty damn nice place to be. So if you can really look, shouldn't be that insulted. If you it. can look at it through the lens of, okay, this whole, like, you're guaranteed, you're going to be set for life. You're the, But these are all, you can't compare it to, like, Sure. Joe, Joe, Joe in accounting, right? It's not guy, the same. And even for a guy like Kirk Cousins, I mean, Kirk Cousins may end up, may end his career as one of the best sort of maximized dollar amounts of any player ever. Yeah, because he made top five money, right, the same top way, five money, then side, signed three years guaranteed, guaranteed to hit the open market again. And then he'll have the next open market deal on top right. of that. So a lot like Revis, like honestly, maybe the best thing Revis ever did was maximize dollar amounts throughout his uh, contract as well as being one of the greatest cornerbacks ever. Um, Like Kirk Cousins is doing the same kind of thing at quarterback. So the franchise tag for him actually worked out great. Now, okay, it comes with the caveat that if you get injured in that year, it derails everything. But, you know, unlucky. That can happen at any point. Like it's not – you're no less screwed if you get a massive catastrophic injury after the big contract. You just had the guaranteed money. And ultimately – so this is obviously how many injuries these days are genuine career defining, right? You tear an ACL, eh, you're back next year. Tear an Achilles now, okay, you're I mean Brandon Brooks tore an Achilles, came back and played it better than he'd ever played before, won the Bruce Matthews Award for the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders was over 30 when he tore his Achilles, he's back like it never happened. Richard Sherman, okay, it took him a year to get, you know, back to his best, but he's now 
as good as any cornerback in the NFL coming off an Achilles. Now injuries don't matter, too. I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying the fear is, okay, I get injured, and now my career is done, and I didn't get the giant contract, right? How many, how many times is that actually a thing anymore? Devastating injuries that end careers. I mean, when was the last time that happened? Culpepper? And even that didn't end his career. He came back. He we thought Bridgewater, wasn't. maybe. But, right, but Bridgewater, but Bridgewater's neat. Bridgewater almost lost his leg and is back now looking like a starting quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Like, when is the last knee injury? When is the last injury period that completely ended a career randomly in the middle of, of going? I don't know, Sam. I, I don't it's know. a long time yeah. ago is what I'm saying. So the idea that, that the fear for why we need the long-term deal versus the single-year franchise tag guaranteed money I think is outdated. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's necessarily a factor anymore. Tennessee Titans. I, I, so there are people saying there's as many as 12 yeah. franchise tags that I'm might be used. To find 12. We just listed six and now I'm going to list the Tennessee Titans and say, are they actually going to debate between Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill? And I was saying to you off air, I was like, if they, if they're really going to pursue Brady hard and they're going to get, like if they franchise Derrick Henry again, if it's like one more year, if we're going to run this guy into the ground and we're and we're not attached to him long term, not the worst thing in the world to just continue, you know, running back or not, he's still a weapon that you're surrounding the potential forty three year old quarterback. Or if you're going to lock up Ryan Tannehill, you're going to keep that same ecosystem around him and try to duplicate the magic. I don't hate like again. It's it's like it's less risky than locking up Derrick Henry long term. And I don't mind overpaying for one year unless you know that that money can be spent somewhere else to replace a Logan Ryan at corner, to replace other more valuable positions. I don't I don't hate the one year overspend, even if it is a running back. Um, I do. You I, hate it. I don't think you should ever pay that kind of money for a running back. It's just why would you? I mean, you OK, pay Derrick Henry one year, top five money or draft Derrick Henry again in the third round this year. I mean, who cares? It's not going to matter. If if the environment around Derrick Henry collapses, he won't justify the money. And if it doesn't collapse, somebody else would achieve the same production in his stead without the money. The alternative, of course, is you let him walk. You grab a third, you know, potentially a third round compensatory pick. I mean, that's and I mentioned this a few weeks spend ago. Spend the pick. Yeah. They pick on a running back. So, like, I, I, you know, I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Are there are there positions that you can exploit Right? right, knowing that the league's going to oh, overvalue Judon's them. Another one that's Matthew, potentially and, oh yeah, Judon is, is rumored to be in the franchise tag. Now, the complicating factor in all this is how many of these are franchise tag to be kept around, and how many of these are being franchise tag to potentially trade onwards. So we and those trades are so they're right. Just but you rare. sketched out this genius scenario whereby the Ravens could essentially manufacture a pass rusher every year and then ship him on, right? And right. Profit, right? right? Create create this thing and then profit off trading them on. Then it's like Baltimore plans on franchise tagging Matthew Judon. It's like, oh, man, they, they're not that smart at all. But if they're franchise tagging him to trade him on, same deal, same idea. But the balance would be, it's again, if you steal a year out of a guy and you can afford it, then you're sitting here a year from now. It's like, okay, we're not going to franchise him again. We stole the extra year. Now he walks, and now we still maybe get a pickback or whatever it might be. So you could still it, – it's still like – it's not like they're idiots. No, I'm, but, I'm just saying that they, it wasn't – they look like they might have been exercising your master plan. And I know they may have been. plan of franchise tagging him. There's also something to the familiarity of the system, and he did do it well last year, and he drops into coverage a little bit and all the creative stuff that they do. Right? So the complicating factor to all of this is Tom Brady. 
Always comes back to Tom Tony. Brady is scheduled to hit free agency and will for hit free agency, even if it's only for eight minutes or whatever, um, because of the way his contract is structured. So there's a lot of teams. Uh, he's basically the first domino that has to fall, right? Because nobody wants to do anything until Brady signs somewhere. And I think there's a ton of teams that are essentially in a holding pattern until they figure out what happens with Brady. So you talked about whether Tennessee, what do they do, right? Do they use their franchise tag on Ryan Tannehill? Do they use it on Derrick Henry? Well, obviously you're not using it on Tannehill if you want to, if you bring in Brady, if you make a run at Brady and actually secure his services, now Tannehill becomes expendable. But franchise tags have to be done. Correct. Before. But the deadline is the 12th, right? So you have to, you have to figure out what you're doing with Tannehill before you figure out if you can get Tom Brady. There's, there's multiple points that people have made that I think are. You can rescind them though, right? So they could potentially franchise tag him, do a deal with Brady, and then say, actually, bye-bye. Hmm. I'm pretty f- sure that's possible. I forget the exact logistics on that. With the thing about um, the rumors about that if they're coming out of Brady that I thought are interesting. First off, people are saying, what are the Patriots going to do? Like Nobody knows what the Patriots actually want or are going to do. There's a report out there that Brady and Belichick spoke, and it didn't go great for whatever that's worth. There, most people are trying to map out Brady's landing spot. Mm-hmm. And not really looking at the Patriots' alternatives other than, yeah, maybe they'll trade for Andy Dalton. Maybe they'll sign Marcus Mariota. Will they draft anybody? I mean, that is as interesting as where Brady lands as well. Other than, and, then, and then there's this rumor that the Patriots and 49ers are just going to swap quarterbacks somehow. What is with that? Well, so Brady and Jimmy G have the same agent, right? Yeah. And is that in the best interest of all parties? That's in the best interest of all parties, potentially. What? Don't you think? No. Why not? How is that in the best interest of the 49ers? Oh no, of 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 the of Brady and Garoppolo, I'm saying. Not of the not of the teams, I'm saying of okay. the it, um Don Yee is the agent yeah. for Brady and Garoppolo. So if you created you created a market for Brady okay. so for and the then you sent Garoppolo Brady. to his drafted team that obviously loved him and just couldn't afford to keep him a couple of years ago, that's the best scenario for both of his clients. Yes. That's why that started. I can see an argument that for the agent Brady and Garoppolo, it is a good scenario, right? I think it's. I think at this point in their career, I don't. I don't know that Brady's a great fit with the 49ers, Although I think he's a good fit there. I just. I. I, I know they. You run out. You run outside zone play action like twice a game and all that stuff. It's such a big part of Shanahan's scheme, though. Yeah, like Brady's just not good at doing that ever. Now I'm not going. It's, it's literally like two to three plays a game. They can run other play action types, and they've got George Kittle. I, I, I get it. Dan Orlovsky was in ESPN. He goes, he had a pros section, yeah, which was like three He's or four things for everybody. He had a con section, which was nothing. There's no con to yeah. Brady to San Francisco. Um, there's also this rumor that Brady's just going to drag Antonio Brown with him. So now you've got so this dude, whole. What is with that? What's with all these rumors? There is, there is a section of people out there that think that Tom Brady has Antonio Brown on standby. Just ready to like jump yeah. in and like, sign. Let's go together, right? With to whatever Tennessee. team he eventually chooses. So picture this: he's going to go to Tennessee, and it's going to be Brady, Antonio Brown, and AJ Brown. Or he's going to go to the Niners, and it's going to be Antonio Brown and George Kittle. These are people that need podcasts. Like the I, the, what the hell is wrong with people that think that that is a possible scenario? For a start, there's still like a lawsuit hanging over Antonio Brown of like yeah, sexual I don't even, assault. I don't even want to talk about Antonio Brown. If anyway. he signs somewhere, the NFL is immediately suspending him. The only, my only concern with Brady to like any of the Shanahan, the Gruden, like old school West Coast systems is it's like as different as it gets from a terminology standpoint and a style standpoint as as anything that Brady's ever done. So they're 
Peyton's last year, he tried to run Gary Kubiak's scheme. Other than the fact that Peyton's physical ability had completely deteriorated, like it just wasn't a fit. Like even a healthy Peyton was going to look a little awkward in that system after years of essentially running what he was most comfortable with. Adam Gase adjusted to him in Denver prior to Kubiak taking over. That would be my concern from like a Brady standpoint. Now Brady's a confident guy. He's probably like, I can, I'll learn the playbook. I'll do whatever I want. That will We'll have a good working relationship, whatever it is. But to me, it's like a little bit risky. That's why leaving New England anywhere is risky so at this point. That's what I wanted to ask. You all the way along have been like, he's definitely going back to New England. Where are you now? Because everything that's come out recently seems to be on the he's leaving side of the fence. I think I, I, I haven't said he's definitely leaving New England. I said I think that the process will be he'll peek over the fence evaluate three or four situations. You've always thought he's going back. Not to see a great one and then go back. You still think he's going back. Yeah, I think bottom line, there's going to be Brady's comfort level with Kraft and just like wanting to finish this legacy with the Patriots. I think if you if you ask Brady what's his ideal world, it'd be to like be wanted yeah. in New England and to finish his career in New England. And if Belichick is the one guy that holds it up and Robert Kraft kind of brings it together, like I could see it happening. Now, there's also rumors about the Patriots going out there and trying to make trades, stuff we've talked about here, trying to make trades to make it more appealing for him to go back. I mean, it's probably in the Patriots' best interest to sneak another two years out of him, too, Again, while they figure out their future. They're in, a, they're in the same problematic spot that everyone else is, though, which is that you can't do what it is they need to do to attract him before he hits the open market. Unless you make a trade. Unless it's, you know, find Stephon Diggs or Odell Beckham, you, ha- you make a trade. Right. But it would need to be a pretty big one to change the dynamic in terms of wanting you know, right. him going back. And that's not – it's not in the Patriots' nature. Not, that, so that's uh, where – Kind of. I mean sometimes. Like the Brandon Cooks thing. Like that's first round. I'm sorry. It, you're side. right. It is. They, they would do that. But it, but it's not in their nature because right now they don't have a second-round pick right. is what I'm saying. I mean that's saying. a bigger problem. They're lo- they don't have enough if – they, if they traded their first-round pick and didn't have a pick till the third, that's not in their nature no. right now. So um, I, I've kind of thought all along that he's going to go somewhere. Still think that, I think. As much as – I think you're right that his ideal scenario is want, being wanted by the Patriots and you know ending this yeah. thing the right way. Yeah. I think his second best scenario is not being wanted by the Patriots and going and sticking it to them for a year somewhere and being like, see, it was all me. And now your dynasty is lying in ruins. Where is your king now? He's over here in Los Angeles or Chicago or Tennessee – Riding to the or playoffs. Or at my home in San Francisco. Whatever. Lighting, lying, or riding to the playoffs while you're the, dentist, the, the, the house that I built the is dynasty. lying in ruins. Yeah. I think that would really appeal to him. Oh, man. Ten days from now, whatever. It, it's it's going to be crazy. This is yeah, – I think everybody always knew that it would get to this point at some point. But it's like, you know. So the Brady thing – Didn't it, know. Yeah. The Brady thing is the 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 – First domino that needs to fall for any of these quarterbacks to go anywhere. But on a more high level, what does this class look like? Where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? All right. Look, I say I say we spend maybe an entire podcast going through all the quarterbacks next week. Okay. Okay. Because we could sit here for like two hours just talking quarterbacks. I did write up. I, I would. I want to get because I do want to get to the other positions. Right. Well, next next Thursday will be. The deadline. Right? That's so tag day. Tag. 4 p.m. So at Thursday. that point, we should know who's gone and we can talk the quarterbacks that are left. All right. So we can do that um, next week, more specifically. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at Mint Mobile. Sam. Yes, Steve. 
Are you still using one of the big wireless providers? I'm not you because are, I have right? Mint Mobile. You're a sucker. No, I have Mint Mobile. You feel like the kind of sucker that would still be using one of the big wireless providers and paying an untold fortune for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, if you've ever wondered why you're paying that kind of money, it's because you're supporting this giant network of brick and mortar stores that nobody goes into anymore. You can shave all of that by going to Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. One five bucks a month for your mobile. That sounds fake. Yeah, right, because you're not paying for these giant buildings that nobody's in. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. You can use your own phone with Mint Mobile. You can bring your telephone number with you. You don't have to start a new one. You can ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. Get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. That is an insane price. And get the plan shipped to your door for free. Comes in a fancy, nice little packet. Looks all awesome. Go to mintmobile.com slash PFF. That's mintmobile.com slash PFF. And for those of you that need that spelling out, that's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash P-F-F. Great deal. Do it. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash P-F-F. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, I, have. I want you to take a second and look down, Sam. When okay. was the last time you shaved your junk? Wow. Is that a personal question? A little bit. It's been a while. Don't lie. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor, Manscaped, for holding you accountable to get rid of the funk and shave your junk. What's scary is that the new uh, podcast setup, the junk, is now like camera level. It was hidden below the desk before. All the more reason to get your Manscaped. It's the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is forever changing the grooving game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. I think that's what I love about this whole thing. It's not just a product. It's a whole kit, Sam. You get everything. The perfect tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Hmm. Get into a routine. How good is the 3.0, Sam? Well, the it's important like your car. thing is, it's, there's, yeah, the important thing is, let's focus on what matters, right? A, there's a light so you can see what you're doing. And B, they've turbocharged that bad boy to 7,000 RPM. And look, if you're going to cut through the junk down there, you're going to need 7,000 RPMs worth of horse, horsepower. So that's the important thing, Steve. Whatever the RPMs were in the old one, the 2.0, not good enough. You crank that thing up to 7,000, and it'll just blitz through whatever's in front of it. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Yeah. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Yes, they are. You add to it that subscribers get a new replacement blade to refill your lawnmower trimmer, Delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. And then for a limited time, subscribers also get not one, but two free gifts. The travel bag, $39 of value there, and a patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. That travel bag is awesome. I, I, that's been with me to the Super Bowl and the Combine now. It's, been, it's my travel bag of choice. It's the perfect package for your perfect package. Isn't you get 20% it? off plus free shipping right now with the code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping. Promo code is PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF. I wrote up at PFF.com the strengths and weaknesses of 
the draft plus free agency and kind of looking at both. So do you want to just fly through the positions quickly and say, look, if you need players at this position, here's what the landscape looks like. Yeah, well, keep it to free agency for me. And where So quarterback is a strength at the moment. I think, well, I think whatever happens with the franchise tag and even Brady. I this think, is this is uncharted territory. Yeah, for I think there are going to be more quality, well, more starting quarterback options than there are teams that need starters. This, it's crazy. I, there are, I'd say legitimately, a quarter of the top 32 quarterbacks in the world are free. Okay. So I think so now that Eli Manning's retired. Yes. Quarterback for the first time, maybe ever, is the strength of this free agent crew. Uh, crop right and then you add to, to the fact that like cam newton andy dalton could be traded is there crazy. any other strength in this draft in this free agent class um because mm. the one that looks like it should be is edge rusher but as i said before they all scare me edge is i think interior defensive line could be sneaky good yeah it's okay. and it's more like a second wave yes of those guys there, that's the one where i think if you're shopping for value you're going to get some bargains in yeah. on the defensive interior. And that and that goes back to like what we said the other day. Like I don't want to be the team that takes right. Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw in the first round. If you can find maybe comparable players in bargain basement free agency, defensive interior. I think safety, we have 14 players on our top 100. Now our top 100 free agency board is skewed a little bit by – it is skewed by positional value. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this player versus this – but there's 14 safeties that we put in our top 100. Yeah. There's 16 corners that we put in our top 100. Again, we're going to overrate them a little bit because of positional value and what you need. Corner to me is skewed more by the fact that this is just not a great free agent group, I think. I don't love the cornerback group. So here's how I described it, right? You get your top two with Byron Jones and Chris Harris. I think both, even at Harris's age, both guys can come in and potentially give you top 10 cornerback play. That is of immense value. Yes. I think beyond that... If your goal is to roll four deep at corner, which it should be as a team, you can have a guy like Logan Ryan who fills a specific role, covers the slot pretty well. Trey Waynes, who we talked about, is he a number one? No, but can he go out there and be a specific type of corner for you? I think there are specific types of corners that can maybe round out your secondary. There's a lot in this of group. there's a lot of potential reclamation projects at corner. There's a lot of uh, you know fixer uppers. Get yeah. guys got a lot of problems. We'll James Bradbury, Mackenzie Alexander, Eli Apple, Jimmy right. Smith. I think could be a great steal at 32 years old. Take it back to bare metal. Put some Bondo on it. Patch her up. Ronald Darby. New paint job. Now we're good. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's some talent to be had there. I, they just they're a little bit you know there's rough and ready. They've got some problems. So like Ronald Darby as an example, right? Last three years using my free agency tracker, number 22 cornerback. From a grade standpoint in 2017, 38th in 2018. And a year ago at this time, we're like, man, what a steal. They just got him for one um six point five million dollars right. on one year. And you're like, that's well worth it, right? And then he was terrible. Hundred yeah. tenth cornerback. Knowing that coverage is so unstable and tough to predict year to year, I make that I make that deal again. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's banged up and he's only played a little over five hundred snaps for three straight years. It's risky, but like we loved the Jason Verrett contract to know when he wasn't going to play any snaps, and he, yeah. he's, he played four. Yeah. But they're just like these. He's a free agent again, by the way. He is. Yeah. These shots are worth it, is what I'm saying. So I would sign Ronald Darby once again for one year, $6.5 million. Now, that can't be the end of it. you got to bring in 
a James Bradbury with it or someone, you know, you got a Bradley Roby, whoever else these guys are, Brian Poole, can he re- regain his magic in the slot? You you have to take multiple stabs at it in free agency in the draft. How many contracts do you think Jason Brett's going to get with the complete knowledge that he'll never play? Man, four like snaps many, at a time. How many sequences of this are we going to see where it's like, it's probably worth taking one more shot at Jason Verrett and then like seven snaps later, ACL for the year. We felt weird two years ago being like, look, the last time he played well was 2015. And I know that was a long time ago. And we're like still saying that. Right. Now we're into a new decade. In 2015, Jason Verrett looked like the next big thing at cornerback. I might be done with taking those chances. on. You him. wouldn't take it again next. If it's like one year veteran minimum, you wouldn't sign Jason oh, if it's Verrett. Che- no, I would. Shot. I would. Right. That's what I'm saying. Jason Verrett and Ronald Darby are on my team. For the rest of their you careers. You take a swing. Yeah, for the yeah. rest of their careers. Right. So I look at offensive line. curious how, how long he can go before teams. Like, he'll be he'll be 35 years old and teams will have forgotten that he's become really old because it's just, oh, if we can just get that. We can get a healthy Jason Verrett. That's an all-pro sitting there. Yeah. It's like he's 42 years old now, sir. That's let me. It'll be time to, to move on. Let me fly through each position really quickly for what I from what I think. Okay. Running back, we have four guys in the top 100. We're going to get fired for that. But running there's backs six. don't matter. We, do, we don't care. Forget running backs. Like, you're not going to sign. Don't sign anybody. Go. Right. Except, Receiver. Except somebody we'll get to later. Receiver, top heavy, Amari Cooper, A.J. Green, specific skill sets, Robbie Anderson, Brashad uh, Perryman is guys that can stretch the field, a nice Emmanuel Sanders. But there's also 16 in the top 100 on the, on the draft board right now. So yeah. it's like, maybe put an offer out there. If, it, if, it's, if you're not overpaying... Yes, grab a receiver, but man, the draft is probably the way to go. I, yeah, I don't love this receiving group. I think the tight end class is weak, They're all both injured. in free agency and the draft. Offensive tackle, like Anthony Costanzo, all reports he wants to go back to the Colts. Or retire. It sounds like he's he's actually going to come back now at this point. Um, Jason Peters is hitting the market. Mm-hmm. I was watching him a little bit the other day. I mean, the dude can still play. Him and Andrew Whitworth can still play. They can both still play. Like Peters... The problem with Peters is you're probably only going to get 12 games out of him because he'll be injured at some point. Um, Whitworth can still play, and you'll probably get 16 games out of him, but he's like 122 years old. So if you're a team that doesn't want to necessarily – or you could, if you're like the Cleveland Browns, you can draft a quarterback, a tackle. Bridge tackle. Yes. Is that a thing? Yeah. Let's make it a thing. Of course. I thought Whitworth was a bridge tackle for the Rams, and he, he turned in – supposed to be. He turned in three good years, yeah. right? 17, 18, 19? Um, I would take – Either of those guys. How about New England? If you wanted to, you know, replace it, let Joe Tooney walk, kick Isaiah Wynn into guard for this year and grab one of these guys to play left tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be a fit. I mean, I, I would I would take a shot on these guys for one year. I am all for reclamation guy. I mean, give me all the injured guys, Sam. I mean, I think yeah, I, that's definitely your thing. I think for the Browns it makes a lot of sense because look, a, a year ago they were in let's accelerate this build because we have the quarterback, right? It's you know let's put all the pieces around Baker Mayfield because we finally have Baker Mayfield we can we can we can make a run fast because now we've got all this resource to throw at it but so we need to think long term right now it's well hang on Baker Mayfield thing kind of fell apart everything around him fell apart we need to, we need to patch this thing we need to stop sinking so a year ago they would have been thinking like cornerstone left tackle in the draft that we need to build long term for the next five years right now it's Dude, I don't even know if Baker Mayfield is the thing anymore. Let's give let's give him the best possible shot to patch this thing back but together. But they, they could do both, which is well, you would you'd have to, right? Because it's a one year rental. But my point is, 
I think they they can start thinking about like immediate fixes in a way they wouldn't have done a year ago. The Browns' best case scenario could be a Whitworth or a Peters, and like Andrew Thomas at twelve in the draft. Our top tackle from Georgia, who because he didn't run as fast or as well as Mackay Becton or Tristan Wirfs, is actually going to be undervalued. I think. Right. So you steal Andrew Thomas. Thomas could start at right tackle. Peters is playing left tackle. If you want to flip Thomas at some point, whatever. But you could really resolve your tackle problem. And as much as we always say creep back toward average, we've seen tackles legitimately move teams back toward average depending on where their baseline was. Yeah. Dwayne Brown with the Seahawks, Laramie Tunsil with the Texans because they replaced George Fant and Julianne Davenport and gave up a third of the pressure of those guys Mm -hmm. could legitimately turn a, a line from, say, 25th to 10th in a year. Yeah. So I, I love the Browns for one of those guys. Um, either way, Jack Conklin's probably going to make a ton of money. And given all the first round potential tackles, that's a little risky as well. Yeah. Um, interior offensive line. Meh. Meh. It's all right. Couple got couple starters at the top. We've talked about edges. Now, <laughs> it might not match up with the price. Ten guys on the t- in our top 100 in the free agency board. Yeah. But they're all going to make a ton of money. That's the problem. I think there's a lot of talented edge rushers hitting the market. They just all have some kind of red flag, whether it's one-year wonder, whether it's like Clowney wants to reset the market, and Clowney does not deserve to reset the market, but he will. Like you're going to have to pay him that. So it's value versus actual production versus misleading production, all these kind of things. I'm just scared to death of this edge rusher group. If I need an edge rusher this year, I don't want to be in free agency because I don't think you're going to get value. Here's my question, right? A couple years ago, remember when Sue broke the bank? Yes. And we were pod- – the podcast has been around for years, so I remember talking about this then. What if we just forget about the fact that it's this monster, crazy contract and you just view it through, like, say, a three-year lens? Uh-huh. So say somebody breaks the bank for Jadavian Clowney. Say it's the Colts. They got all this money. It's the Colts. They bring in Clowney. And you're just kind of rolling the dice a little bit that he's going to be worth it for three years. And just say, look, I'm okay with my roster construction. Like, you, like not every deal is going to be perfect is, is, is my point here. So if you have a 53-man roster and you've done a really good job of building through the draft, everybody's of value, and you've got, like, two bad contracts on there. And that's, like, that's your roll of the dice. Like, my roll of the dice is that we're going to get three elite years out of Jadavian Clowney. And he's a, he's a top 10 edge. Maybe not a top 10 edge uh, rusher, but he's a top 10 edge. And then you're going to try to get out of it after three years and out of the bad money. Is that the worst play in the world if you've got some money to play around with and the rest of your roster is like, you know, in pristine shape? So the Sue thing is interesting because um, the problem with that was he, so he played about as well as he could possibly have been expected to play given what we knew of him when he got that contract, right? From all the evidence of his Detroit career, I would say he exceeded expectations in Miami. And yet I think if you rewound history and started over, nobody would redo that deal, including the Dolphins, because he couldn't play. There was no way he could play well enough to live up to the contract that they handed him. It was just too much. It was never going to be worth it. But my question is, what would you do alternatively? I don't know, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't give him that contract. So whether, it, whether you coming down in price means you don't get him, or whether he would have just taken less money because the market wasn't that strong and you were bidding against yourself, whatever it is, you just don't do that deal again because it, it cannot be worth your while. And you have, it's just too much money 
invested in a guy that cannot make a big enough impact to justify it. Jadevian Clowney to me is the same. If you have to go to sue levels of money to secure Jadevian Clowney, you have to walk away from Jadevian Clowney because he will never justify that contract. He just isn't that good a player. He's complicated. I guess it's similar for Sue as well, but they're both, they both have this thing of like prior reputations, I think distorting expectations a little bit. My point is like, put that aside for a second. The Dolphins, the Colts, the Bills all have over $80 million of cap space right now. If there is no clear path to how to even spend all that money over the next three years, is it the worst thing in the world to overpay for a guy that you know isn't worth it, but A, there's like, say, a 5% chance that he is worth it. Okay, it's low. But his floor is he's a very good player, right? So he's a very good player that's not worth the price tag, but I don't have a clear alternative to do any, like I don't have, you know, a clear plan or actually opportunity to spend this money in a good way. Otherwise, I, th- I think you can very quickly spend that kind of money if anything happens. If you snag on a couple of good players and you have to pay them quickly, you, that level of salary cap does not stay there for very long if you have to get somebody that kind of contract. But I think my point was, I think Clowney and Sue, to a degree, coming into the NFL were supposed absolute phenomenons and superstars right. and athletic freaks. And it's, wow, think how dominant they are going to be. It's, it's very hard to shed that if you're in any way, shape or form good, right? Because you're always, so Jadevian Clowney is good. In fact, he's very good. And every now and again, he puts in one of those games where he's just athletically way too freaky for the guy trying to block him and he takes it over and he dominates. And it's like, well, if you just get that for 16 games, you're talking about LT, the original. Or LT. Khalil Mack or Von Whatever, Miller. right? Guys that have been better than him. You're talking yeah. about a all-time great player, but you don't. You, you don't get that guy every play. It doesn't happen. And it just takes such a – it's so hard for people to shed the image of this guy as the dude that wrecked the Michigan running back and the guy that was just <laughs> taking the piss in high school because he was twice the size of everybody and all that kind of thing. I just – you cannot spend that kind of money on a guy even if it's like, – even if it benefits your team – on the field, it's just bad roster managing. Did you know, by the way, we've got cough buttons now? No, I didn't. Look, they're like oh, wow. taped, taped to our thing. Oh. Yeah. See? Yeah, that works. Right? I didn't even realize that until just That's so professional. Ago, Did we get a note? Some- wow. No, we didn't. Redo get- the podcast. Nobody told us, but they're there. Thank you, Tyler. You guys continue to impress. Tyler in for Ken today. This behind is, the glass. This is really impressive. Behind the glass. It's like strapped on. It looks, I didn't even notice. It took a while. Looks great. We are um, more than scratching the surface of uh, professionalism here. What's below the surface? We're into the mantle, the mantle of professionalism? Yeah. I mean, we've got, we have a Patrick Holmes cutout. We have a helmet. Yeah. I mean, it's like the set's coming together here. A Russell Wilson jersey behind me. Some locker things. We're supposed to um, get our own decorations here. So when I'm... What are you going to get? Next time I go back to Boston, I have to grab a couple baseball pictures and stuff like that. So I think I decorate all baseball stuff. You decorate all rugby stuff. So we stay on brand. Huh. Okay. That's what we should do. Give me... We need like an Ireland rugby jersey. Jersey? Yeah. Oh, I got to get one of those. Who can I get to sign it? I got to get someone to sign it. The tall guy. The tall guy. You want Devin Toner to sign the rugby jersey? Did he get cut? What happened to him? He got benched for the World Cup. They didn't bring him. What an embarrassment. he's He's back in the team now. Do we really want his autograph if the guy got benched? How uh, good could he be? You might. I mean, this is a this is a solidarity thing amongst tall freaks. He is my hero. Right. He's my hero. 
Anyway, um, Edge Defender class, you did you did a really nice job breaking it down. PFF.com, yeah, PFF.com, go check it out. Um, it's buyer beware in the Edge class. Yeah, we talked about the interior defensive line class. So similar, you've got Chris Jones, the class of the class. Awesome. Number seven on our entire board. The class of the class. Yes. Um, he's a star. DJ Reader, Javon Hargrave, younger breakout players. That's the sneaky value. That's where the... But I don't know if it's sneaky because they're both 26, 27 years old. The nose tackles. Nose. I know, but somebody's going to lock them up long term. Somebody's going to overpay for Leonard Williams. Yeah. Good player, but like Leonard Williams, run stop, you know, first guy. I think the value in this class is trying to steal... Man, my whole theory is just grab the old guys and try to... you It's old guys and injured guys. You, yes. you would be an awful GM. I would not be. You'd be terrible. No, because I would draft so well and then complement it by the middle class right you, here. You would need to draft so well. because This all is you're what doing, the Patriots do. All you're doing is signing geriatrics and signal. How do you candidates? think the Patriots have been good forever by grabbing middle class players? Now they're middle class. I Mike Daniels, Dominican Sue, Gerald McCoy. Like you can't steal a year of production out of those guys on the cheap. Timmy Jernigan. Okay, Omar Kelly. I think the Patriots have been good for such a long time because they've had arguably the greatest coach and quarterback of all time together for twenty years. That was that was Omar's point, actually. Yeah. Well, so, so you're Omar. So you just agreed with him? No, I mean I said so. I they're mean, not a well-run organization. Well, they, they just happen to have the best that's quarterback how it starts. And coach. That's how you win. Yeah, like, of course. Six Super Bowls, not just are good every year. Yeah, of course. I've I've said that for a while. I think Brady's the baseline. That yeah. So yeah. it's not because they're like it's not because they're amazing at snagging these old. But they it's have not because they target old and sick note people. No, but they have done a good job of taking the the guys I described aren't necessarily the middle class, but they've done a good job of taking the Kyle Van Noys of the world. Yeah. And finding value. They in are guys. excellent because again the head coach thing. They put players in a great position to succeed in a way not a lot of coaches do. You don't think I would hire a head coach that could day. do that? Well, again, you would need to because you're building this guy. Like the idea of your guy would need to be a Michelin-starred chef to turn Listen, the amount of chicken shit you're handing him into I chicken salad. I also said that I would overpay for Jadavian Clowney as well. I would go different ways. I would diversify. You are awful as a GM. We're going to diversify the portfolio. What would you do? Because here's what's I gonna- would take what you've just described in the last hour and do the exact opposite across the board. So you're, we're going to sit here a week from now because we do this every year in free agency, and it, and it can go either way. It's either like this team signed a bunch of flashy names. Yeah. They won free agency, even though well, they didn't. never happened. Jets, yeah. Bucks, the last couple of years. These teams won free agency. Or you're going to sit here and hate every contract because technically they're overpaid. I Literally every all. contract that will be signed will be overpaid. I just said I think DJ Reader and uh, – No, they're going to get overpaid. I they're going to they're get overpaid. Here's what – what did we project here? We projected per over the cap, our friends at over the cap that did this projection – DJ Reader is projected to go four years, uh-huh. $13.5 million per year. When that happens, you're going to sit here and say that's a terrible deal. When Javon Hargrave makes four years, $12 million per year, you're going to sit here and say okay. that's ridiculous. He's not worth 48 over four. Eh. You're going to hate every contract I'm in free not. agency. There's going to be value out there. It's Mark this down. Finding it. Mark this down. It might not. The value might not come next, the first week of free agency. What I'm telling you wait. is to build a team, you diversify the portfolio, you, you're you stock up. Listen to me. You stock up on draft picks. <laughs> if you have to overpay for one or two guys here and there, you pick your spots. Uh-huh. And then you get the geriatrics. To sum up, your collective team building strategy has been to overpay for a guy that will never be worth it, to target perennially sick note players that will never play. And what do you mean they're never going to gonna go play? after geriatrics? No, you're that trying is to your three pronged mode of attack for building a roster. Like last year, 
last year, Gerald McCoy made $8 million for the year. Our number nine most valuable interior defensive lineman at 31 years old. Uh-huh. Right? You try to steal another one of those years. Okay? That's how you do it. You try to steal like an extra year of production here. Then you, maybe there's a guy that you're going to spend some money on. And then there's the draft picks and continuing to re-sign from within. And those are your long-term building blocks. Huh. It's a diversified portfolio of players. I don't know that Lance values. has done your GM candidacy any help. No, because I know GMs are listening. I know they... Owners, you need to be listening. Owners. I don't care if GMs are listening. I'm stealing their jobs right. in a few years. Mm-hmm. Owners are listening. Listen, Jerry Jones, you're not the GM anymore. I'm taking over. Um, anyway, I like... Anyway, let's go through the rest of this class. There are some bargains Linebacker. to be had. That's Linebacker. I mean, Corey Littleton and Joe Schobert, similar players. Coverage first, meh against the run. Good for today's NFL. They're both going to be making 10 to $12 million a year as well. I think there's some value to be had at linebacker. Lower You're going to hate those contracts. No. I love Corey. I, I, we, you know, two I weeks from now. I contract. Corey Littleton might be worth it. Two weeks from now. Lower Corey down. Littleton. I like the player, but I don't like that the Jets just paid $18 million a year from him. Or for 18 him. would be a lot. Right? I mean, this is what's going to happen. All of these guys are going to get overpaid, and you're going to hate every contract in two there weeks. There are going to be some contracts that I like. There are contracts that I like every year. That's not true. It is. You don't like anything. I like some con- – the value signings in free agency are the way to go. Look, I have been the guy grading the deals in free agency for years at PFF, and there's always people at the, the top end. I always like some. Like Darrell Rivas to the Patriots. That was a good one. There you go. That was one of the steals. So there's always some contracts that I like. I think there's some linebackers lower down. Who do you like at linebacker? We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Well, or at least one of them. Look, I think your sick note, and this ticks both your boxes. You can get two and one here. You go after Sean Lee. He's both old and bogus. Love Sean Lee. Right. Did you know that last year was the first year of his career he played in 16 games? Yeah, like 10 snaps a game. Right. It was great. That's the way to do it. Apparently, you just don't expose him to more than like 15 snaps in a game, and he can play 16 games. Really efficient. I love it. Anyway, where else are we here? Um, we That's mentioned it. we did corner, we did safety. We're out. We're done. That's both of those, class. both That's of those classes are pretty class. good. Oh, do you want to talk about the strength of fullback? No, no. I haven't studied fullback that Anthony closely. Anthony Sherman's a free agent. Do you want to? We both made like a little list of uh, guys I like. Yeah. Which, if you've been listening to the podcast for more than you like probably predict a them week, already. you'll know. So my list is truly a bunch of guys who are reclamation projects. Yes. And your guys are just the guys that you've liked since they came out of the draft. And right. regardless of how they've played, <laughs> you will never come off the fact that you love these guys. No, that's not true. These are specifically guys that are still viable. There's a lot of guys I like that I've, I've had to jump ship. Give me on. the guys that you like. The guys that I like and are still viable. Kenyon Drake showed last year in Arizona. And honestly, his best destination is going back to Arizona. Um, Kenyon Drake is a good running back. Kenyon Drake is really good in space. He can catch the ball. He is a perfect running back within that spread offense that the Cardinals are running and showed that if you just give him a higher workload than he ever got in Miami, he will be good. So somebody give him the workload for God's sake. You see, don't you see the rosy colored glasses, rose colored glasses, rose colored glasses that you, that you see him through. Like I mentioned, you know, I don't hate overpaying for Derrick Henry on one, a one-year franchise tag. And you're like, I would never pay any running back. And then it's like, Kenyon Drake's not even a running back in your world. It's just like, whatever. Well, somebody give him a shot. Look, I He's don't, a free agent. Just pay him. Who cares? I, I, it's Kenyon Drake. I love him. I never said that. I don't want to pay him a lot of money. I think he should go back to Arizona. And honestly, if he's, you know, 
doing himself any favors. He should do it for a very little amount of money. Because otherwise, these are the four contracts that you're going to like. These four players that you list. No. Um, next up. So this one is tricky because there is a lot of reports around this guy that make him sound like he might be a lunatic, which is a problem. But Rashad Higgins is a good football player. When he's been on the field for the Browns, he's been good. And he would have an impact if somebody had him in there as a number three wide receiver and gave him the ball. Maybe number four. But he might also be kind of crazy. So okay. jury's out on that one. Keep going. David Mayo. My guy, David Mayo. Linebacker. Always plays well when he's on the Finally field. got some starting time for the Giants and has been the best linebacker they've had for years. They got rid of Alec Ogletree. Probably since Carl Banks. Because David Mayo was good. He graded consistently well against the run. Now he's a, I would say, probably a two-down linebacker in, a, in an era where that's never been more pointless. But you still need him on it's the four, roster. It's a four-down league now, Sam. You still need them on the roster. And God knows it should be cheap because who the hell else is going to pay him money? So somebody snag David Mayo for a bargain basement contract and get better on the first two downs of every drive. Who else you got? Will Parks. Will Parks He's a good player. is a versatile safety defensive back. Has been playing in Denver. I think he's a useful player. Again, in this idea, this era of we need to get deep into the bench in uh, the secondary corners, safeties. We need to add guys that are versatile, can cover, and can play in all facets of the game. Parks can do that. I set you up with Will Parks. What? That was like one of those, it was like, hey, you need to meet my friend. You need to meet my friend. Yeah. Like, you know, he gets set up on a date or whatever it is. I was like, you got to watch this Will Parks character huh. at Arizona. He's played slot corner. He's played safety. And when you watched, you fell in love and you forgot that I set you up. I'm That's not what happened even, back in 2015. He's me and he's my and Bobby's guy. Bobby's on board too. Oh, yeah, Bobby. Bobby plays, plays offense now though for the Niners. All right, I had some guys I like too and a b- bunch of guys I already mentioned. How many of them are broken? Tyler Eifert, broken, broken. worth a shot. Brian Bulaga, broken, broken worth a shot. Daryl Williams, bad. Try to try to recapture that one good year that he had. Timmy Jernigan, broken, broken. try to recapture the fact that he's still 27. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, Kwiatkowski, not broken, strong flipper. That's me. That's your style, right? Love this yeah, guy yeah. coming out of college. But he's one. He's like the David Mayo. That's fair. Of my guys. That's agreed. He's been good. When he had an opportunity, he played played good football. Yes. Ronald Darby, broken. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. But you mentioned it before. Um, and then I'll wrap it up with Trey Boston at safety because he's high on our list, but he's played for three different teams in three years. San, um, San Diego slash Los Angeles, um, Carolina and Arizona, not necessarily in that order, but he's graded well all the time. Pretty good free safety, split field safety. He can make some plays. So um, those are the guys that I kind of like where I think some value can be had. Mm. Like you wouldn't take a like if you could get Tyler Eifert for one year, five million, would you wouldn't take that shot? I one year for yeah I probably would Tyler it's, Eifert. It's the same strategy of like drafting a quarterback. So my all concern, the, time. the payout is so much greater than the risk. My concern with the sick note guys is the guys who have come back had the year where they haven't been broken and haven't looked like the same guy, and that's Tyler Eifert. Like he finally stayed healthy last year. Yeah, I understand. And was yeah. not the guy he was back before he got fifty-eight consecutive right. injuries. Throw Jordan Reed in there too, fresh off concussion protocol. God, that's that isn't that a bit iffy? I that think he they was just like concussed for, for about a year and a half, and then as soon as they, they released him, it's like, oh, he passed his medical. I think they forgot to take. I don't know. Because after to take people reported it, I don't know. After people reported it, it's like, oh, he's he's out of protocol. He had been there since September. Yes, 
So he'd been like in the protocol yeah. for like a year and then passed his medical, was cleared to play the second they released him. Anyway, that feels not great. Iffy. Is that it? That's our extravaganza. Uh, I think so. So there's a lot more to discuss with free agency in the draft. Let us know what you want to hear about. We go back and forth between all of that. But somebody uh, just sent me a great tweet that says, uh, I mean, what's the Tito's vodka has apparently spent the last 24 hours explaining to people that it cannot be used as a replacement hand sanitizer for the coronavirus. Huh? Apparently people have been trying to use vodka as a, as See, a that, hand sanitizer. That feels like a poor business strategy by Tito's. Yeah. I mean, on well, one hand, it's like, here's a PSA. Don't use it. On the other hand, it's like, eh, maybe if, if you run out of hand sanitizer and you start buying more vodka, that's good for business. I mean, it's probably good for business right up until you get sued for not being an effective hand sanitizer against the coronavirus. Yeah, I guess you should put. Did you also see the video put that on the of, the, uh, of the lady being like, guys, whatever you do, just stop. Just best practice. Just stop touching your own face and your nose and your mouth. And then immediately licked her finger to swipe pages. Did she really? Yeah, like three seconds no after way. she just told everyone to stop touching their own face. They said to shave face. beards, too. What? You can live in beards. I can't shave. Like, if I shave this, I've got no hair left. Good. Everybody shave your beards. Why? Less, you know, less disease living in your face. That's where the coronavirus hides, ensconced in your beard? I can't shave either. Face is too chubby right now. You're back up into the 290s. I am not. That's what you said. You said two, nine, and two. You're now, so. It was 289 this morning. We've been working on the basis that you're 100 pounds of extra human. You're getting close to 120. No, I'll be back down. A couple more days of basketball and I'm back at it. I'm good. All right, man. It's been an extravaganza. Extravaganza. What we have coming up, we have Monday and Thursday again next week. Even We'll hit out all the free agency news as it comes out, all the news and rumors. At our take on it, we'll continue to work through the draft class in the coming weeks. But, yeah, it's just, it's team building season. It's great. If you guys have any questions or specific topics you would love for us to cover, we could do some segments on that. Um, we'll maybe also solve some teams as well. Yeah. Some team off seasons that have uh, a lot, either a lot of money to spend or a lot of draft capital. Yeah. Figure out the best way to, to work through that. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Sounds All right, good. guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. 
Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.